0: with Aaron. Wait, wait. Tim, are you editing this week? And Polly with Tim and Wayne. Uh, uh, are you Aaron? I'm Polly.
1: <laughs> this is Wade. And Tim is relegated to last.
2: I know. Oh. I, I, I understand now how this works.
0: <laughs> well, welcome back, Tim. You are our, our world traveler this week.
3: Yeah, I, f- I feel welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for breaking the podcast in the first minute. Anytime.
2: My seat (laughs) feels all artsy. A
0: little paint, a little uh, little charcoal.
3: Is there a Stargate on it?
2: Yeah, so that happened, and uh, I'm back. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I read read, like three whole comics for you guys. That's how much I have dedication.
0: He is committed, this Tim guy.
2: I will be committed soon. We're we're committing
3: him? Not yet.
0: I'm not paying for that.
3: (laughs) I'm not paying for it. You spent all my money already.
0: Don't don't worry, Wayne. We'll, we'll 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 cover it out of the waffle budget. I, I am not cool with that. Not not at all. <laughs> so, Paul. Uh, yes. What's this business I hear about you having tickets?
3: I have tickets.
2: Well, the, you shouldn't have parked right by the hydrant. You wouldn't have had a ticket, Paul.
3: Well, actually, I, I got to admit, there there I don't have a parking ticket, but there is a uh, a police officer who does patrol our neighborhood with a with a ruler, seeing if anyone parks more than twelve inches away from the curb.
1: I feel for you ticket-wise. I, I went to my, a comic shop that wasn't my normal shop a couple weeks ago, and I got a parking ticket.
3: <laughs> but but, but th- those aren't the type of tickets I'm actually talking about. No, I'm just um, interested. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, as of, I guess it was Friday, um, by the time you're listening to this, so they're probably all sold out by the time you're, you're listening to this podcast, so sorry, but at OperationEarlyBird.com, Um, there was a map with screening locations uh, and basically what this site did is um, it offered advanced screenings of the Dark Knight Rises prequel. Oh, there is a a, a six minute Dark Knight Rises prequel that will be showing only within IMAX, only with Mission Impossible four and only in certain theaters. Um, So it's actually really hard to find. But they are doing advanced screenings Tuesday, December 13th at 10 p.m. So I was able to get a pass to the the advanced screening of the six minutes. The problem is it's in Richmond, which is about an hour away from me. So in theory, I'm driving an hour to and an hour back
0: (laughs) for six minutes
3: for six minutes of footage at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night.
0: Can't you just at 11 o'clock on Tuesday night get it off of Pirate Bay?
3: I'm sure I could. <laughs> so I, I have my tickets, and they didn't cost me any money. So it's not like I'm gonna cry if I don't go. Right. But I, I'm, I once again I am left with a dilemma of should I do this cool thing or not?
2: No, no, you shouldn't because yeah. Aaron is exactly right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless
2: you're bringing a camcorder and you're gonna be able to upload it on Duh, the upload. Oh,
0: there you case. go.
2: In there you case, go. You hey, available for cr- duty.
3: Shoot Excuse it for the, us, Paul. Ideology dot com
0: Cease and desist, we await your arrival.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, Paul, that's balls.
2: Because you you did you actually want to see Mission Impossible Four?
3: I do, but the I'm not actually seeing Mission Impossible Four. They're only showing me the Dark Knight Rises stuff. Oh, it's just the trailer. It's not actually uh it's not I'm not. It's not actually an advanced screening of Mission Impossible. It's just an advanced screening of the Dark Knight Rises stuff.
2: Oh, then huh. you're absolutely a moron if you go do this.
3: Well, but here's the thing. Like, I did it for Tron, even though Tron was, like, five minutes away versus an hour away. Um, they were showing, I believe, 20 minutes of Tron. And uh, But, I mean, I got all sorts of free goodies at the showing, too. Like, I'm wondering, are they going to give me free swag if I go to this thing? I like swag. Who doesn't like swag, Paul? You see, you guys seem unconvinced that I should be going to this. No,
2: well, I'm convinced you shouldn't be, but you're not listening to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and just watch it on YouTube next week.
0: Yeah. On the, I'm conflicted here because on the one hand, you know, it, putting myself in your scenario, there's no way in hell I would do this. But I like to see you inconvenienced. <laughs> it, it is really kind of a desired state. I have for you. So, you know, I I I say do it, Paul.
3: <laughs> go go drive to your heart's content. At least I didn't go to the At least I didn't get tickets to the DC one. <laughs> I drove 3 hours for 6 minutes worth of footage and I have to work tomorrow.
0: <laughs> awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I say I say go for it.
3: <laughs> I appreciate that, Erin. You're always looking out. Always. Well, yeah, you have something to talk about next week, too. True, true. So That's I, I, we will find out if I go. Speaking of inconveniences.
0: Oh, 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 what's inconveniencing you, Paul? <laughs> oh,
3: well, uh, were you going to transition to alien? Uh, alien? I keep saying Aliens.
0: Aliens versus X-Men or uh, Aliens versus Avengers sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I could buy either book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we could have both. Aliens versus X-Men versus Avengers.
3: We are getting that. Except without <laughs> the aliens. Oh. But that
1: was the interesting part. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, you the know... The rest of
1: it I've seen before. Again there, and again there, and again. There has been a lot of talk uh,
0: out of Marvel and, and the guys who work there that there's this huge event coming. Uh, and they, they, you know, they, a lot of secretive talk. They wouldn't say what it was, who it involves. And they announced the Avengers vs. X-Men uh, event uh, this week. Is this the big summer event that they were talking about?
3: This is the big event that they said it's coming. You know, this this is the big summer event. This is what everything has been building towards. This
0: is the thing that like Bendis and Jason Aaron and and all those guys have been working on.
3: Yes, this is uh, so creative team Bendis, Brubaker, uh, Jason Aaron, basically all of the um, architects fraction. Yes,
2: architects Fractions. You say, like this <laughs> with your little, little word <laughs>
3: like um,
0: brady's in there
3: <laughs> uh so all of the marvel architects um and i believe the art is uh jim chung Olivier copiel no and, it's um and Olivier copiel john Romita jr there and it I, is and andy kubert i think are the three artists on the on the thing um the thing it is uh it is a 12 issue series Dang. uh bi-weekly uh-huh. so thank god it's not monthly Sure, it probably still bi-weekly. won't be bi-weekly. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, I, I believe it's starting in uh, summer of 2012, March 2012.
1: All right. I, mm. I'm just waiting for them to announce the one-shot, you know, X-Men versus Avengers, the choice, where it's just Wolverine sitting in his room. But I'm an X-Men, but I'm an Avenger, but I'm an X-Men, but I'm an Avenger.
3: Who do I fight with? I I, I have words. <laughs> well, before you go, correction, it starts in April 2012. <laughs> But
2: go ahead, Tim. Um, you know I haven't been on this podcast long, but I, I remember when they rolled out the heroic age. Do you guys remember that?
1: Well, <laughs> oh yeah, the the whole no more heroes fighting heroes. No, yeah, no that more was heroes like what?
2: Fighting heroes. Right, right. You that know, was
1: 72, 73, something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe last year. <laughs> um.
1: Oh. You know, it was right before that story where heroes fought heroes.
2: Right. And now. <laughs> After a year of cleansing our palate with, uh, you know, craptastic architect books that we had to deal with before, they're going to do heroes fighting heroes again. Yeah, yeah a whole twelve issue craptacular series. And Paul, you said it. You said it exactly right. Three little words: why this series is going to suck. John Armita Jr.
3: <laughs> well, he's only doing four issues,
2: so every other issue is going to be a little epileptic seizure after <laughs> Olivier Cobial. It's like ah, John Romita Jr. No, I'm. I'm not only am I less than impressed. I think it's kind of a, a little bit of a slap to their their marketing campaign for the heroic age, which wasn't very heroic and wasn't really agey either.
0: Well, and they didn't really keep the heroic age around very long. Those banners lasted just a Two very months. short period of time because yeah. you know yeah. they realized, hey, we're going to have these guys all fighting each other still. So you know, <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know the premise supposedly, not supposedly, the premise per their press release um is that you know this is about the return of the phoenix force and you know whether hope can be the bearer of the phoenix force or whatever that i believe i think the x-men believe she can handle the phoenix and the avengers want to bring her into custody and so there's this 12 issue long battle apparently
1: Um, really i i can predict this no she can't handle it
3: (laughs) Oh, you know, of course she can. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they, they have I, I, there. It's as far as Marvel are, as far as Marvel's concerned, this is pretty much all of their big guns, almost all of their big guns.
1: Does the um, cables return tie into all this as well?
3: Yes, supposedly everything ties into this. Avengers: The Children's Crusade, uh, that new Avengers X Sanction series that starts next week—that's the Cable one you're talking about.
1: because yep. it's been about a year since Cable died, so it's time for him to return because he can't stay dead that long. Yeah, so Is that, that's her- the one that Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis are working on, Paul. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, I heard an interview with Jeff Loeb the other day, and you know what he was talking about on that book sounded really cool, but I just I can't
3: abide the Ed McGinnis artwork. See, I like Ed McGinnis artwork. Well, I used to like Ed McGinnis artwork. I, I don't know if I've outgrown Ed McGinnis artwork or if
0: he has adopted a. I I mean, don't get me wrong. Ed McGinnis. He, he's a drawn son of a bitch, but he has adopted a style and it, it really seems to have uh, become polished through his Hulk run, his red Hulk run, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there he he is. It, there is a. It's more cartoonish than I care for, you know. Yeah. The, I
3: think the, the last time I liked his artwork was on Superman Batman. Yeah, yeah. But I like the cartoonish nature of it because it reminded me of the TV series and stuff like that. I I haven't liked any of his Marvel work.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm. I, I, there are some things that I love when he draws. Like I, I love the how he draws the thing, but uh, I, I just don't care for a lot of his work uh, lately. And it's just it's it's you know I, it's not an indictment on his ability. it's just I don't care for the for a style that he's utilizing, so you know i when i when I looked at the solicits on you know the Jeff Lowe book, I was just like, man I, I kind of want to read this, but I really don't want to look at it
3: <laughs> <laughs> so with twelve issues, they've already basically said they there there supposedly will be less tie-ins uh-huh. um To uh, to this, uh, you know, that's probably not going to last. But you know, books like Avengers and New Avengers and all of that will tie into Avengers versus X Men.
0: So we're looking at anywhere between six and nine months, depending on delays, of all of those books being hijacked into this crossover. Correct.
3: You know, and well, technically, we're already looking at it, right? I mean, if we already have series that have started and are already in process, or you know, are about to start, that are leading up to it technically we're already in the avengers versus x-men build-up um you know and of course you know i'm sure since it doesn't start till april march will be all about avengers versus x-men preludes you know i just
2: wanted to say for the record you can hijack any book that i'm not reading and i'm okay
3: with that <laughs>
1: yeah i have to say i uh, i could care less about avengers versus x-men at this point But I am a little bit curious about which X-Men it's going to be. Since they've just done this whole split thing, are they already bringing them back together to go against the Avengers?
3: It's hard to say because if you look at the graphic, it looks – you know the preview graphic that they've released, it looks like it's just Cyclops' Avengers. Wolverine's in the picture, but he appears to be on the side of the Avengers. So that was the whole reason for the
1: split, so Wolverine doesn't have to choose. He can just stick with the Avengers because he's not with those X-Men. He's with the other X-Men. He's got his own X-Men. So So X-Men versus Avengers and the other (laughs) (laughs) X-Men.
3: So, I mean, are you guys thinking you're – well, I I got Tim's answer. (laughs) Does anybody else think they're not going – or is anybody going to pick this up? How about that?
1: I'm probably not going to pick it up you know i was interested in cable's return with this whole i'm going to shoot all the avengers so i'm probably going to pick up the first issue of that see how it is and if it's good i may i may try this out but overall they haven't sold me i am so sick and tired of hero fighting hero i am sick of the phoenix stories i think they're overdone I think Hope had a lot of potential as a character that they've squandered, and giving her the Phoenix Force is just one more kick to the character that could have been interesting. This is completely the wrong direction, in my opinion. And my decision's a little bit more financial
0: in that I don't read the X-Men, you know, and I do read the Avengers, but I don't want to pick up a 12-issue maxi series and then probably also need to pick up some X-Men books at the same time. Factoring in that uh, I'm going to guess that the miniseries are going to be $3.99 a copy, so you're probably looking at about 50 bucks there in that series. I'm not interested. I, I, don't, I don't. I'd rather spend my $50 somewhere else.
3: And you know, here's the thing. And we talked, you know, because we are apparently the the marketing gurus, unappreciated marketing gurus. Uh-huh. But if I were Marvel, I would actually release AVX as maybe a instead of a a normal sized comic book. You know, with the artists you have, you're already going to have issues with getting it out on time. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I'm sure I that's would, why they've broken it out into several
3: artists, though. Yeah, but I, I would probably release it instead as like a 16-page dollar ninety-nine book if you're going to do biweekly, mm-hmm. especially if you're still if you still expect people to read the tie-ins, because you're not tying it in into miniseries that people don't have to buy. You're tying into the regular titles, yeah. and if I don't like Avengers versus X-Men. I'm off of the I'm, – I'm already off of New Avengers, but I will certainly be off of the regular Avengers too. Yeah. Because I have to admit, the Fear Itself tie-ins for the regular Avengers book, oh, they were awful.
0: Oh, yeah. They, they, they were terrible. They were the terrible. Fear
1: Itself was awful as well, though.
3: So. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, exactly. that's fair.
0: And, you know, when you look at this, that, you know, with the upcoming exit of Bendis from the Avengers books, you know, I, I know – I'm going to be looking really hard at who the the new writing team or new creative team coming into the Avengers is when Bendis exits. Because I've been on board, you know, New Avengers since uh, he launched it. Yeah. Is this going to be an earlier exit point for me? That's the question. Because if I if I can't discern the story enough of, of a relevant story out of the pages of New Avengers and the Avengers without getting into Avengers versus X Men. Is that do I just jump off earlier, you know? And and I and, I, and I and I'm not trying to. I really enjoy Bendis on those books, and I hate that he's leaving. But you know, hey, he's been on those books for eight years. Um, eight years is that right?
3: Yeah, something yeah. like
1: that.
0: Um, it just might be an earlier exit point.
3: Well, and here's the thing. So. I'm with you. I, you know, Bendis did announce that he was leaving uh, all the Avengers titles in 2012, probably at the end of this crossover. Um, I, I gotta be, but, you know, I'm with you, like, maybe this is an earlier dropout point, but unlike you, I'm not, I haven't liked anything. I haven't liked Bendis' Avengers in a while.
1: Yeah, that's why I dropped them for the same reason. Bendis' Avengers started off wonderful. The original new avengers run was some of the best comics that i'd read in a long time at that point it got me interested in avengers even though i thought it was a stupid idea to throw all of these you know big characters all in one book it just wasn't the type of thing that i was used to with avengers but he really won me over with the solid story with great characters but it's really lost something lately and part of it was through civil war civil war is what really killed it for me and then the splits after that i mean for the only book Bendis books i'm reading right now are the ultimate stuff ultimate spider-man and he's doing a bang-up job there he hasn't lost me at all i mean i still am a fan of him as a writer but his avengers stuff is not to my taste anymore and it hasn't been for a while
3: and maybe that's a good point. Maybe it really was Civil War and there have been good storylines. In fact, the first storyline of this current New Avengers arc was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Especially the Stuart and art. Yep. But, you know, the thing about Bendis' Avengers, both books, um, you know, I just I feel like there just hasn't been the magic there in quite a while. You know, I dropped off of the New Avengers the newest run after that first arc. You know, the regular Avengers book has been, you know, sporadically good. Um but you know, mostly mediocre. And gotta be honest, after, he seems to be repeating himself a lot as well. You know, we're getting a lot of the yes. same types of how
1: story. many times is the raft going to be busted open with people <laughs> free.
3: Well, how many times that, is Avengers Mansion or Avengers Tower gonna fall down? How many times is a superhero gonna form an anti Avengers or are there gonna be a dark Avengers? You know, I mean
0: Well, like, I, I can tell you that the the selling point for new Avengers for me, it has been and remains Luke Cage. I, I just I love the way Bendis voices that character, and I don't get that in any other book at Marvel. Yeah.
3: A, no, and, and I, I don't. I, New Avengers, I love the team. I dislike the book.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll, to, I'll disagree with you Aaron, because I, I like the way Luke Cage is portrayed in Thunderbolts, too.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just not enjoying the current run on Thunderbolts at the moment. That's fair, too yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I you know I, I I hate to say it but I, I I am trying to watch my comic dollar a little bit more judiciously you know and uh, this it may come down to a financial decision and so if yeah uh, you know, I'll give the the first new Avengers and Avengers books during the you know AVX crossover uh, probably a one issue go and if I if it's not if it's not ringing my bell I'll be out
3: yeah. You know, and as far as someone to replace Bendis on the Avengers, I mean, we're still a, probably a year away from that. Um, I don't know. I mean, as far as Marvel's current writers, I would probably say Jason Aaron.
0: Yeah, you know it's going to be an architect. It's going to be one of those guys.
3: Yeah, but I I can't think of anybody else.
0: You know, th- You know who I'd love to see on it? Greg Pak. I think Greg Greg Pak does a, a really nice ensemble kind of writing, you know, with uh uh the the halt books that he's written i I think he could do a really good Avengers team, but I don't know that it that you need to have the same writer on new Avengers
1: and Avengers. In fact, it might be better to have different writers on both I, I prefer to have different writers because there's a different feel I'd love to see Christos Gage take one of the titles
3: mm-hmm. oh yeah, I could see that too i I would like to see Dan Slott take over a new Avengers. I mean, Dan Slott's
0: Mighty Avengers was fantastic. Wasn't it? Yeah. In fact, I I picked up those books this week on Comixology. You know, they had their their 99 cent sale on Mighty Avengers, and those are just fantastic reads.
3: I mean, I know he was saddled with a crappy team because Uh of Dark Reign, but I mean, it was still a damn good book.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and really kind of rehabilitated the Hank Pym character. Mm -hmm. You know, made the Hank Pym somebody that you can really, you know, respect again and it's been a long time since hank pym's been somebody you can respect
3: so yeah i mean i just it i don't know if there should be a new avengers and a regular avengers for the first time ever at least the teams are different yeah you know at least we don't have spider-man and wolverine and captain america on both of them
0: well the reality of the film coming out this summer uh means that you're going to continue getting a new avengers and avengers at least through the end of 2012 so you know i i I, again, I, I think uh, it would be separate writers, and uh, yeah, I would love to see Greg Pak on it. I think, I think Wayne's absolutely right.
1: Christus Gage would be fantastic for it. Dan Slott would be great. Uh, well, I'm I mean, predicting a character shakeup to make it look more like the movie as well.
3: Well, actually, I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, so I let me be the first to tell you. We're not just having a new Avengers and an Avengers. We're also getting Avengers Assemble. I don't know if you guys heard about that.
0: I had not heard about that.
3: There is a new series written by – drumroll – Brian Michael Bendis, uh, <laughs> with Mark by Mac, Mark Bagley, called Avengers Assemble, featuring—I don't—I don't believe it's in the movie universe, but it is an Avengers cast that matches the Avengers cast of the movie.
1: And in the first issue, someone will break out of the raft,
3: <laughs> or someone will form a Dark Avengers,
1: and and both Avengers
0: Mansion and Avengers Tower will crash. <laughs>
2: You don't, you, don't uh, have, you don't have to read the first six issues, folks. We just saved you money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I, I hate to be negative on it because I mean I do love Bendis. I, I do, love to be negative on it, Paul. <laughs> and I I have loved the Avengers book. I do agree it's time for a change. Um, and of the Avengers vs. X Men, I got to be honest, it's an underwhelming announcement.
0: Well, I, I hate to poop on the on the uh, event. That you know, we've only just seen a couple of pages out of, but I'm just not dazzled by the idea.
2: Aaron, that's our move. That's my go-to move. That's <laughs> that's one of the reasons I'm here. here. just to crap on ideas that we only
3: see one image of. Okay,
2: that's hey, you know, that's, hey, that's, that's my you know. <laughs> my shit.
3: We're not saying it's going to suck. We're just saying it's I'm going to suck. I, <laughs> Tim is saying that Paul. Tim is saying it is the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the Holocaust. I mean, it is
0: exactly right. It is this is World War 2 in a can. <laughs> <laughs> kind
3: kind of like that Dark Horse announcement last week. Um, taste in your mouth. Yeah.
0: The the Dark Horse <laughs> announcement last week was actually kind of cool. It was their backpedaling
1: that was not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And their reasoning for their backpedaling. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so Dark Horse announced um correctly or incorrectly that they were not only going day and day digital, but their digital books would be 50 cents to a dollar cheaper than their print books. And, um, it caused a little bit of outrage amongst retailers, not a little bit, a lot of outrage amongst retailers, um, who you know, decided to start boycotting dark horse books and things like that. And, uh, so then came the backpedaling. Yep. Um, you know, dark horse said, no, 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 you misunderstood us. Maybe we weren't clear. <laughs> so, so let us speak in small words. Yeah. We're not going to go cheap the first day. We're going to wait a month. We're going to basically do the DC model um, of waiting a month and then dropping a dollar. But we won't be releasing them for a dollar cheaper on day and date.
1: You know, reading that article actually made me angry. The comic industry is desperately hurting right now. And they need to do something to move on, to grow. And I love my local comic shop. I do. And I love going to comic shops. But they can't pander to the shops if they want to be a successful business. Dropping the price for digital is something they need to do to be successful in the future. If they don't want this media to die out as all but a, you know, a very a hobby thing. Which you know, I mean, I, I guess it is a hobby thing, but it's a business for them. They have to make money. And that was a good business decision to drop the price. The backpedaling for the sake of the comic stores is it's wrong thinking from a business standpoint.
3: Yeah, but here's the thing. Like the comics companies cannot survive without comic stores. The right. only reason we have a comics industry right now is because those comic stores who held on through the you know, the comic recession of the nineties, um, you know, it, it, we're talking about a, a hobby that maybe well, has two hundred, three hundred thousand people in the world, or well, in the U.S. Anyway. That's right.
0: Well, and in particular, Dark Horse, which really only has a couple of of you know solid properties, Hellboy being one of them. Um, you know, they can't afford to alienate the direct market. But what I think they've got to do don't if you're if you're wanting to bust out and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna really put our our best foot forward in digital, what you do is offer something that is a digital exclusive. Don't make your retailers compete for it. You yeah. know? So or, do your help do your one of your one of your big you know titles, do a special original graphic novel or what have you uh, for Hellboy or for one of your licensed properties that people have to go to the digital app to get. And they're Even, not in c- competition with the, with the retailers. And then you can sell it at the retail outlet four weeks later.
1: This is also short-sighted on the retail side. They do not want to move on themselves. They don't want to figure out what they need to do to survive. Instead, they just want to bully the companies to keep doing things like they always have. And that's a losing battle. You, yes. you can't win that battle. You know, Personally, what I'd like to see, if you want to make that day-in-day sales – Keep the price the same at the same day. Drop the price like Saturday. Don't wait a month to drop the price. Most people that buy their comics, that keep up with it every week. They go into the shop are going to get it in that first week. They're going to get it in the first, probably the day books release, but at least by that Saturday. Mm -hmm. So have the next Tuesday drop the price on the digital one. People (laughs) buying it a week later.
3: Yeah, I I, got to be honest. the 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 week thing is probably more than enough like i i get why they do a month but after the first week i I think you're safe to drop the, the price of the title because people who really want to pay full price are also the people who are go who will go every week to the comic shop you know
0: i just think it's bullshit that there there is a is a delay in the reduction in price because the the floppy Doesn't adjust in price unless it's going into into a resale bin or into the the, uh, quarter bin. You know, rarely do I. I mean, my my shop does sales from time to time, but you know, after it's been on the on the wall for a month, they don't reduce the price of that comic. They're not the same goddamn thing. The digital book is different than the print book. They should be priced accordingly. It just irritates the shit out of me. It is an artificial uh, leveraging to the market. I don't care for it. Done. Look how angry Aaron was. <laughs> it does. It, it really irritates me. It is. It is. And you know, I love my comic shop. You know, and my comic shop offers me things other than my floppies. You know, I will continue shopping at my comic shop even when I go digital because I'll buy trades and hardbacks and T-shirts and figures and all that kind of stuff. But I understand my comic shop's bread and butter is floppies. Yeah, I'm it,
1: ridiculously loyal to my shop. But when yeah. I saw this article. This made me angry, too, because I want comics to be something that are going to continue to be around. And when I see things like this bullying to keep the price point it's a bad move for the comic industry to when it comes to being successful.
0: Well, i think i think that the publishers and retailers have got to figure it out. You know, they they and i understand this is growing pains, but when you see folks go, well, we'll just boycott and we'll just do we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll fight you on each one of these things, that is a losing battle. You're not going to stop the market. And you either
1: embrace the new technology or you're going to get left behind. And let's face it, the people that want to buy the physical copies that's not going to change for them. I mean, if I have the choice between two ninety nine for a physical copy or $1 for a digital, I'm still going to get the physical because I prefer the reading experience of physical. The people that would rather have a digital are going to still get a digital either way.
3: Yeah. You're
1: just more likely to make more sales on the digital of people that weren't going to buy it at all anyway. Or they weren't going to buy the physical, but now they'll buy the digital in addition to it
3: it's uh you know and and here's the thing i mean dark horse dark horse has properties like star wars and hellboy and all of them but you know they're not one of the top three you know we the top three are marvel dc and idw as far as publishers on sales um so
1: i mean think about the potential there though the people that buy star wars books i mean the book series sell like crazy and they have the whole extended universe if you got those books these comics for like a dollar into some of these markets for people. And I don't mean like comiXology. ComiXology is a app or a website for people that are already into comics. But let's say you get individual issues as subscriptions out there into just the regular Barnes & Noble store, the Nook store, the iTunes, things like that you're going to get people that are reading the books that aren't necessarily comic book people that are just getting into it because it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's serious potential there at a lower price point. Yep. There's not that potential well, think if of it's the kids. still in only comics markets like comic Comixology and if it's still full price. Well,
0: and, you know, with the lower price readers now, think of the kids that you could hook on, like, a Clone Wars tie-in. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there is tons of opportunity, you know, and there is quality content out there i mean you know we've got some fantastic books that are, that are being produced there are even these great media tie-ins that will bring in the non-comic reader but you know it it is a losing battle in my opinion trying to get the non-comic book reader into a direct market store correct you know, unless I mean, there, there are certainly the standout stores that that are welcoming. You know, I, I visited uh, Paul's shop there in Virginia, Zeus Comics here in Texas. But, you know, it seems like the for every one of those kinds of shops that you have, you've got 10 places that are run like there's somebody, you know, working out of their basement. You know, somebody's little, little, you know, man cave. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that. The digital marketplace is not scary for the non-comic reader, you know. And and you know if you're if you're if you're making comics available in iTunes and the Nook Store and all those different places, you know, we, we're always talking about we'd love to see comics back on the spin rack, but that distribution model doesn't work anymore because you don't have people servicing the spin racks. I was reading a, a Jim Shooter uh, blog the other day. And he was talking about the reason why spin racks don't work is that you actually have to have your employee work in the spin rack because the retailer isn't going to make sure that your books are on it, you know, that they're they're not making sure that, you know, your Marvel comic is in that 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 piece of real estate. And so it is, you know, uh, administratively, it's an administrative cost to have somebody working those those spin racks. But you could have a virtual spin rack you know, there's that, that uh, when you're in iTunes you've got those pop up banners. So you can have new Comic Wednesday pop up there every Wednesday in iTunes. You know, I, I just I, I think there's this this great way to get comics in the hands of people who don't read comics every day.
1: Yeah, and think about the pilot season going on at Top Cow right now, something they do every year mm-hmm. to showcase new books. How cool would that be to have pop-ups in places like iTunes? Yeah. You know, check out pilot season, new creators, new writers, new stories, and have the books all be cheaper than you would get normally. Well, you know, and think about how iTunes tells you,
0: hey, you know, you you bought this song, you might like this, right? You could have yeah. you could you could have the same technology saying, "Hey, you know, you downloaded this video, or you you know got this TV show, or you know, got this ebook. You might like this. You know, exactly.
3: Like, hey, you bought the newest GWAR album. Maybe you like this comic. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about you know, so you go on you go on iTunes and you download an episode of Castle. So you get the little suggestive cell. Here's the Castle gra- original graphic novel." You know, you download uh, an episode of Burn Notice. Hey, what about the Burn Notice comic book?
1: You yeah. you watched? Put it in her butt three. You <laughs> might you might just like
3: Deonomicon. Deonomicon.
1: <laughs>
3: God,
0: put it in her butt three was fantastic. Wasn't it good? I love put it in her butt three. <laughs> <laughs>
3: conclusion of the trilogy
0: <laughs> well there were so many unresolved issues at the end of put it in her butt too
3: it was like the empire strikes back <laughs> <laughs> well <Yeah>. speak, <laughs> speaking on this digital model you know marvel is trying to get their digital comic readers into the comic shops um by giving a certificate mm-hmm. when you buy a digital comic um and I, I don't know if how, I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but that Marvel is giving you a comic store coupon good at your local comic shop for up to $5. I, but I don't, it says up to $5. I don't know what the price point of the comic you have to buy is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you buy a digital comic, which, you know, as great an idea as it sounds, I wonder how many retailers are really going to participate in the I'm going to go to your shop, hand you a coupon. Like, you know, I don't know a lot of retailers who take. Coupons. Well, I mean? And, I mean, stores aren't really a coupon business.
0: Well, and, and from my observation, you've got so many retailers who are afraid of the digital model. You know, like, for instance, um, I saw a lot of retailers who were objecting to the free digital copy that comes along with Avenging Spider Man, right? Which, by the way, that's free in quotation marks because it's a three ninety nine book. I think that it's actually a two ninety nine book, and they're charging you the extra dollar for the digital copy. Correct. Anyway, <laughs> I just object to Red Hulk being in it. Um, I, I think that you've got guys who are resistant to that digital model, and so they don't want to get any foot in the door. They don't want to, you know, regardless of which way the customers are going. If it if it's got a touchstone onto the digital side, they're not interested. I mean look at the look at how many guys are not participating in the comicsology store uh, storefront on their websites. I mean I, there are very few comic retailers that I've seen that are participating in that program.
3: Yeah, and I believe, you know, here's the thing. Um I spoke to my, my comic retailer about that and he said just he said I, I would never participate under the current price point. And you know what the sad thing is? It's still extra money. Yeah. You know it's still extra money that because I, I I gotta be honest I spent a lot of freaking money on digital comics since I got my Kindle uh-huh and he would have gotten a proceed of that a portion of that yes, a shitty portion but a portion nonetheless. but, but look at that I mean and, and and I you know
0: I, I don't know the guy's business as well as he does but you know the difference is is that when you're selling comics on your shelf, you paid for those comics. You bought those comics and brought them into your store. You had an invoice that you had to write a check on. Comicsology app, you're, you're, they're they're essentially paying you for real estate on your website,
3: yeah. right? Essentially, I yeah. mean, it's, I guess it's more like an you know like the Amazon Associates yeah. and stuff like that. You know, but again, I would still I would use the link on his website if yeah. he had a link on his website.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, and the, the great thing about digital is you know I was homesick a couple of days this week and i felt like reading comics Comicsology had a 99 cent sale on mighty avengers i picked up six copies six issues of mighty avengers that was six dollars that i spent on comics that i would not have otherwise spent
1: because i wasn't getting out of the house to go to the comic shop that i think is one of the big keys digital can sell stuff that people wouldn't have bought otherwise well that's where it's real power can be
0: You know, my fat, lazy ass was sitting at home and I spent six bucks on comics. (laughs) I mean, that was money that would not have gone into a uh, a, a, into the economy had I not been home with Wi-Fi and had there not been a digital opportunity for me to buy. Folks got to get on board with this because this is this is the
2: future. Are Are we done talking about this digital comic stuff?
0: Well, I've got I've got eight more points that we I think we should your make
2: di- your diatribe of digital <laughs> comics. <sighs> I mean, you go, go ahead. I'll, I'll oh go no, no I now.
0: just enjoy talking about the digital comics because at some point Tim starts his five state killing spree.
2: Yeah, far, <laughs> far be it for me to stop your your hippie digital comic reading, uh, fapping. But
0: uh, fine, maybe, fine, maybe, fine. You know,
2: grognards like me might want to actually get into you know this week's books.
1: Fine, fine. Gee. Says the guy that read three digital books this week, Tim. Tim,
2: that is part of my
3: job. That is not because I. Bought it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so
0: Action Comics number four.
3: Blah. Keep going. Defenders number one. Not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Action Comics number four came out this week, three ninety nine price point because, um, because now we have a backup. Well you know, hey, I yeah.
1: actually this was the first time I wasn't angry about the three ninety nine price point yeah. because there at least was all story in here. All yeah. original. You know, story. I yeah. like the backup this yeah. time. I did I haven't liked all of this you know the backups we've seen so far, the extra art, the things like that. For this price point, I want story. And we got it this week, so I was happier with that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I felt yeah. the same way. But Perhaps. I can tell you when I picked when I when I pulled it off the shelf. I immediately flipped to the back of the book. Yeah. You know, cause if it was going to be another sketchbook or something, it was going right back on the shelf.
3: <laughs> I, I, I even think justice league may be taking this model. If I remember correctly, I think there is a backup starting in the next issue of justice league. Mm-hmm. Um, also, which again, if you really want to charge three ninety nine for your books, if you are intent <laughs> on not dropping the price of your book, Sure, go ahead and throw you know throw in new material in the back, and I will pay the three ninety nine. I did it for Amazing Spider Man, and uh, they <laughs> I guess they got wise to it because they took out the backup and they still charge three ninety nine. Yeah,
1: you know I didn't even realize this had a backup, you know when I first got it. I assumed it was going to be more art until I'm reading through and they actually give the footnote of want to see how this battle goes. It's our backup feature. And I get to that point, I'm like, that is really cool. I like that. I uh,
0: I had some problems with this book. Um I, I there are some, some pages where I just really struggled with the Rags Morales artwork. Um uh, in particular, Superman is at least college age, perhaps postgraduate age in this story. And there are pages where he looks like a teenager. Uh there's in particular there's this uh, uh one page where he, you know, hits John Corbin and you know, just big old wallops on him, and then it cuts back, and I mean he just looks like a gawky teenager, and so you know Superman doesn't seem consistent from page to page
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh and so that that kind of bugged me about it, but one of the things that happens in the book is you know Brainiac steals a chunk of metropolis um you know and, and bottles it as he as he does.
3: Well, okay. So before you continue, is that Brainiac? Is Brainiac the collector? I mean, is that the same character?
0: I believe that it is. I'm assuming that it's Brainiac.
1: Yeah, if it's not, I mean, it basically is everything that we've ever seen of Brainiac. I mean, taking bottling cities, working with Lex Luthor. Yeah, they've certainly not named him, but you know that is uh, that is who I assume it is. Even if they don't call him Brainiac, it's Brainiac. Yeah,
0: but you know he. He steals a chunk of Metropolis, but at no point do you get a sense of the size or that it's even occurred. I mean, until the very end of the, of the story, you know, like there's this, there's this, um, panel where, uh, everybody's looking on, you know, what have you done? You know? And I, you could see like spiders on the outside of the, of the tube or something and it just it really isn't evocative of this horrible huge thing that's occurred, you know. And then they show uh, Superman sh- standing out in front of the crater that uh, where where the, the chunk of the city was, but it doesn't look big enough to be even a neighborhood. It looks like they took a building. Yeah, yeah it they, looks
1: like a city they block took where Lois like was. I mean, and this to me, I'm reading uh, DC Universe Online, the the comic based on the the MMO. Mm-hmm. It's been a really good comic, been an incredible book, but this story has basically been told there too. Brainiac bottled in that case the daily planet took lois took the the planet staff, and Superman's got to get' him back. yeah how many times have we seen that story and in this case, it was even ruined we knew this was coming from you know Superman last week yeah i mean i was I was very annoyed Superman spoiled that that this was on its way. I mean, we kind of saw that it was going here anyway, but this story should stand up on its own. You know what pissed me off about this story, though? What's that? The very last page. Did you catch their continued in? This Uh. isn't continued next month. This is continued in Action Comics number seven. We get an interlude next. No, I had not catch that. There are two two issues of interlude called Rocket Song – Before we see what happens next with the storyline, he cliffhangered us on issue four and isn't coming back to the story until issue seven. Wow. No, I didn't. I didn't catch that. That is a dick move by Grant Morrison.
3: Well, you know, we kind of got that in Fantastic Four a couple months ago. So, yeah, (laughs) I'm not I'm not too pissed about it just because, like, I know the two issues that they're interluding with are um, Andy Kubert flashbacks to Krypton. And uh, I'm okay with that.
1: Well, if you'll remember, though, when we got that in Fantastic Four, the other story was really horrible, but that killed the momentum for the book for me, and I dropped it. I dropped FF when that happened. I've been really enjoying this story and the momentum it's been building, even with the issues I had with this issue, and now we're going to have an interlude killing the momentum of the story. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I don't want this to kill my interest in the book, but it just might happen.
0: Well, let's talk about something that I thought did work in this book, Steel. Oh yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed what they did with him, and I like the fact that you know I was I was curious as to how they were going to work his origin because you know in the old Fifty Two, he was a steel worker at the time when uh, you know he encountered Superman and then was inspired by Superman to become a hero. And then, of course, you know, you find out after the fact that he what hes not just a steel worker; he's this brilliant scientist, engineer guy, uh, weapons developer, and he builds his steel armor. So, you know, absent the death of Superman in the New Fifty Two, um, we get to see uh, John Henry Irons' uh, motivation, and he builds his own suit. And I just—I thoroughly enjoyed the
1: appearance of uh, Steel in this book. If the one thing I don't like about the suit is I don't like the open face. Mm-hmm. If I were building myself armor, I would be covering my face, too. Because that's the first sign if someone's going to be shooting you with a gun. and <laughs> your face! They're going to aim for your face. Because yeah. it's the one place that's not protected. Well, what I really love, though, about the armor is that the hammer is attached. Mm-hmm. That there's a cable running from it. So it's not one of those things of, I'll just take his hammer away from him. It's attached and being fed power by the suit. I, I got a kick out of that.
0: Well, and I, I like that you you kind of have a sense that this is his prototype suit and that you know there'll be more uh, improvements and advancements as we go along. So you know I'm sure we'll see more like a faceplate, that kind of thing later on.
1: Uh, I just I just kinda dug the raw look. So th- and it made so much more logical sense than it did in the original Origin, mm-hmm. because he's been designing this armor as his job. You know, he was creating the armor that Corbin's wearing, The what is essentially the metallo armor, right. was something he had been creating. This is just a smaller version of that. I mean, it makes perfect sense that he would have the suit. Yeah, no, I, I I I dug it. I I am
0: really happy with it. I need a steel uh, mini series or ongoing series now. Go ahead and make that happen.
1: There we go on Action Comics. Anybody else got some words on Action Comics? Did you notice in the back of a bunch of the DC books, the uh, their DC Comics All Access for this month it points out three of the cliffhangers we had over the course of the last month. It seemed kind of backpating if you read it.
0: Are you talking about the – oh, Cass, okay, saying, the flash shot, Green Lantern yep. destroyed, Batman blown up.
1: And when you read it, it talks about how you know, how they used to do cliffhangers here and there and see how wonderful they are and comics are no different. And look, we did cliffhangers. That seemed a little overly back-padding of, you know, <laughs> look how cool we are. We did these re- three really cool cliffhangers. And check out how cool these cliffhangers are. Don't you want to go buy these and buy the next issue to see what happened? Yeah. Not so much.
0: So uh, moving on from Action Comics number four over to Marvel's Defenders number one. Uh, I picked it up digitally this week. And, uh, you know, I I, I wasn't real sure that I was going to get it. But, you know, it was a light comic week. And I thought I'd, uh, you know, give it a shot because I do like all those characters, even though I was uh, not wild about the epilogue that we saw featuring you know, the setup for this with the null and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, my initial my initial take was, was the correct one. I did not enjoy this book, um, despite the fact that, again, love all these characters. Uh, I just don't think Matt Fraction's voicing these guys correctly. Uh, you know, the Hulk is in here. And, you know, the thing I noticed about the Hulk is that he is not consistent in any book he appears in. Green Hulk, not Red Hulk. Um, he's, you know, he is sometimes monsterish he is sometimes uh just uh you know converses like bruce banner i just there's just seems very little consistency on the character there were moments that i really liked i got a kick out of uh, dr strange in the book but the take that fraction has on the silver surfer is just bizarre and not in a good way (laughs) you know i don't sit there going wow man that's freaky i dig that no, it, it's like you know. I don't understand what you're trying to do with this with this character. Is, um,
2: is he like a Californian surfer, Aaron? Is he, he like, whoa,
0: dude? Well, you know, practice I practice is harsh in my melon. Did you guys uh, read the the uh, th- the Mighty Thor, Thor, the Mighty Thor, where uh, Silver Surfer appeared? I did. Okay, so you know, it follows up to that, and you know, the Surfer has new abilities now. Um and it's weird it's you know I am the falling snow the air the cold I am everywhere and he's able to he's he's kind of got this liquid metal aspect to him where he can merge with you know different things like the snow the weather you know and it, he's almost like you know uh the T1000 <laughs> from Terminator 2 as opposed to you know being the silver surfer and huh. you know I'm sorry it, Silver Surfer's got a nice power set as it is. He doesn't need to have new powers to make him interesting. And that's what it feels like. It feels like Matt Fraction wanted to write Silver Surfer, but I want to write Silver Surfer, but I want Silver Surfer to not have to to not be the character he's been. I want him to be something completely different, but let's still call him the Silver Surfer.
1: You know, I've always liked the Silver Surfer, but it seems like Marvel has just utterly ruined the character for me. Over the last couple of years, the last appearance of Surfer where I actually recognized the character and thought this is the character. He's actually true to what it's been was in Planet Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every appearance since then, it's been off. The voice is completely off. He's acting irrational or he'll have strange powers or just the personality isn't right.
3: Yeah, and I'm not trying to kiss his ass or anything because Lord knows we do enough of that already. But the last time I liked The Silver Surfer was when Ron Mars wrote him.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we talk about, you know, core character concept. And you know, the the core character concept of of the Silver Surfer is that he, he had to he had to sacrifice the thing he loved in order to save it, right? And and so, you know, you, you you've got his I'm I'm saving Zen-law, I'm saving what was his his girlfriend's name Shallaball, right? Yep. You know, and so those are those two things. So, so he he sacrifices himself to save the thing he loves, or sacrifices the thing he loves to save them. Can never see them again. You know, you take that away, all you really have is a shiny dude on a surfboard, and that's what you've got here. Now, I don't really want to see him pining all the time. You know, I don't want to say, "Oh, I'm so sad because you know, I had to sacrifice." You know. This this great love that I had, but you know I don't just go changing the character willy nilly without a whole lot of reason, you know. And that the end of that mighty Thor, you know, Paul and I both had really negative reactions uh, to that storyline, and it is carried forward here and not in a good way. Uh, Defenders number one, not not a book I'm going to be picking up a second issue of.
3: That's a shame, you know, because I love the team. Yeah, I do too. Even though it's essentially. New Avengers with Hulk on it. Well, but the Hulk is not on the team. Oh, because he
0: comes in, and this is really strange because he comes in, you know, essentially assigning the mission. It's kind of like you know he's the role of Charlie on Charlie's Angels because you <laughs> that's know
3: it, awesome. uh, he comes
0: that. in, he's like, hey, you know, what if the Hulk had a Hulk? You know, that's what the the null guy is. I need I need you guys to go get him because you know he's the ragey part of the Hulk. And if I get too close to him, something really bad could happen. So you guys go do it. And so Doctor Strange, Red She Hulk, um, uh, Red She Hulk, Doctor Strange, Iron Fist, and Silver Surfer are all on this. And Namor are all on this team. And again, I like the lineup. You know, I particularly enjoy that Iron Fist is on it. Yeah. But I, I don't. I, I just Matt Fraction seems to just toss out. You know the the uh, core of the characters in a lot of circumstances, and just plugs in stuff that I just don't see where it's coming from. And you know, I know a lot of folks go, "Oh, you know, screw continuity, blah blah blah." We just want to tell a good story, but you know, when you're writing series fiction, you have to abide by a certain level of the continuity. You know, unless you're writing an Elseworlds book or a What If book or an Ultimate series. But when you're in the, the the core Marvel universe, I really think you need to abide by you know a large chunk of that continuity.
3: Yeah. What what killed it for me? What killed the Defenders for me? Cuz I, I I like you said I like the lineup. I like almost every character on the team. Even Red She-Hulk, I don't mind mm-hmm. now that I know she's Betty Banner. Right. You know? It's just this quirky team. I've always loved the concept of the Defenders. But, you know, when it says spinning out of the stunning end of fear itself, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Basically anything spinning out of fear itself, I'm out. Yeah. Um, I well, just could, it, I couldn't do it.
0: I was I, the art was awfully sharp. It's a very pretty book. Um, really, really, really hated the writing on it. We'll get, let me give you one more. Really, 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 really. Huh. Okay, and and one more. Really, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that if somebody who, if somebody fresh in might enjoy it because they don't have, I guess, some of the character baggage I'm bringing in. But uh, it bugged the shit out of me.
3: Well, you know what didn't bug the shit out of me? What I really didn't hate, really, really? What's that pull? We received uh, an advanced copy of The Activity. Uh, It actually comes out December 21st, so you have plenty of time to buy it. Um, The Activity from Image Comics, written by Nathan Edmondson, who was the writer of Who is Jake Ellis, uh, with art by Mitch Gerards, who I've actually not heard of um tim and i read this and it's a story about this that they're this elite team i believe they're called like the omaha branch or something like that and um they're they're basically like the the cover-up team that even covers up when the cia fucks up essentially is the premise of it um it's very much like a uh a, a tv show vibe to it a, a spy thriller mission impossible type thing and um tim what'd you think of this book
2: you know, I thought it was solid. Um, you know, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Burn Notice. This had a very much a, a Burn Notice kind of vibe to it. I, uh, you know, I thought the artwork was, uh, uh, was, was accurate for the book. And, uh, you know, I thought the first story was maybe, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to the first story, but it was solid.
3: Yeah, I'd almost say, uh, almost like an alias vibe. A little bit, if you think about it, Um, you've got this new member who's just joined the team. Um, Her her code name is Fitler, and uh, you know she's she's joining them on this mission that has occurred just a couple of weeks after the death of one of their teammates. And um, and solid writing again, very much like a like a spy thriller TV series feel to it. And um, I, I have to say. For me, you know, the art is what sold me on the story because I'm not typically into books like this. I I like a little more spectacle in my comic books. You know, a a comic book that reads just like a TV series has to be really good for me to get into it. Um, And I just the, the art, the way the art style was, the way that the book was written. I just I thought it was a really solid book. And if you're into spy thrillers, I actually really recommend it it's not gonna like blow your mind or anything but it's definitely a well-written book and it's definitely gonna feed that that need um you know like if you just in fact the the timing of it i believe it comes out the same day as mission impossible 4 in the movie theaters so you know if you're still reeling for some spy action i'd recommend picking up the the activity
2: true enough although um the, the I I did enjoy the the next book more though the next the next one that we uh, advanced reviewed is is called Whispers One. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whispers One is about a, um, a a guy who has some issues. I'll just say,
3: yeah, he's 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 the creepy ex boyfriend. You know, he has right. his uh, girl, his girlfriend his ex girlfriend's mother has just died. And um, basically, he takes the, the, you know, he's trying to be there for her as a friend, and all he can focus on is these dreams that he's having when she's, you know, reeling from the death of her mother.
2: And in, in it, as it turns out, these dreams are him walking around um, in the real world while he's
3: sleeping, basically. Yeah, like out-of-body experiences
2: and in and, and throughout the book, he he gets the impression that um, he can kind of visit anybody that he knows. And although he can't they can't see him or really hear him, he gets the feeling that he can act like kind of like as a conscience to them. and that, and that I thought that was that was cool. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, this guy is not gonna like what he finds <laughs> as he's walking around people talking about him.
3: Yeah. He, um, you know, basically he can, he can follow, he can go to whoever he knows. He can hear their thoughts. In fact, one of the first people he visits is his mother, um, who is the person who basically put in him the obsessive compulsive uh, habits that he has. I mean, there, there's a scene very early in the book where he can't touch the handle on a, a restaurant door because he sees a spot on it. So he waits for someone else to open the door and then he follows it after them. Um, you know, and so he visits his mother, and you know, sees that you know that she's ill, and she is disappointed in him. And you know, he visits one of his ex-girlfriends, and and that's where he realizes that, I guess, he can whisper in her ear and kind of influence her thoughts without her realizing it's him. And uh, it's, it's it's an interesting concept. I I think it's going to go more of a creepy route. Mm-hmm. I hope it's. I would rather it go a creepy route than a superhero type route.
2: Um, yeah i don't i don't sense any superhero coming from this book
3: yeah but i mean it was a good book it's by joshua luna who's one of the luna brothers um they had a popular book that i didn't read i don't know what it was but girls
1: (laughs) (laughs) girls i was very curious about it the covers looked interesting i've never read an issue and don't know much about it
3: but whispers you know it's it's a solid book it comes out january 11th so way advanced review on that one but um you know, it, it feels like it's going to be a slow burn. Uh, I, I at this point, after our our Cully Hamner conversation last week, I can't recommend waiting for the trade. But if I, <laughs> <laughs> but if I could recommend waiting for the trade, I'd recommend wait for the trade.
1: So I have to say, this has not been a great week in, for comics for me—not content or anything, but just comics in general. And the waiting for the trade kind of i i want to buy more trades now at this point because i got the call that no comic collector reader whatever ever wants to get this week it was the call from my wife saying you know oh my god the sewer system is backing up we've got stuff coming out there's poop floating towards your your boxes oh oh dear yeah that that's the call that no comic collector ever wants to get and so I I get home and we spent all of last night doing cleanup after the, you know after the plumbers had left and after everything had been fixed. So do you have poopy comics now? The comics thankfully all survived. Aaron, Whew, I lost seriously? six <laughs> cardboard boxes. <laughs> no Wayne read shitty comics. <laughs> 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 and now literally, you know, everything was everything was bagged and boarded. That was was down there. I lost six cardboard boxes and just got rid of the, the bags for a bunch of them. But no actual comics themselves had to be done away with.
2: You know, But lining, that was a scary call. Your, lining the floor of your basement with your Grant Morrison books, Wayne, I told you it would be a wise investment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and nothing of value was lost. But yeah, it was one of those things where when she was describing it, I am i am picturing like inches worth of just sewage sitting on the floor but when i actually get home it was all going in like a line that was kind of around the comic books thankfully it's like it it could have been a lot worse than it was and the uh, the other reason the comics this week kind of sucked for me was i realized this morning when i'm looking through the list of things that you guys were, were reading that amazing spider-man come out came out this week and my shop apparently was sold out so I bought it digitally this week to continue the, the digital conversation.
3: Oh, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Tim can't wait. Let's talk about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you know my preference, Tim. If I, would, if I could have had a physical copy to read, I would have. But, you know, this is another reason to love the day and day stuff. I wouldn't have been able to talk about this book with you guys today if Marvel wasn't doing releasing Amazing Spider-Man same day digitally as they do physically. Mm-hmm. I'll pick up a physical copy cuz I want a physical copy. So they're going to get my money for this book twice.
3: No, before we talk about this book, before we review this book, when we were talking about action comics and the backup feature, it made me count the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. 20 pages, 3.99. Yep. Fuckers and but i'm i, I will say twice. just think about that
0: paul i will say there's an awful lot of story on those pages
3: yes i'm not going to i'm not going to say it's not a damn good book however you're giving me less of a you're basically and they're doing exactly what we said they did they hooked us in with those great stories and great backup features removed the backup features didn't change the price and you know i'm not going to drop the book because it's just that damn good i just fuckers no i'm I'm there with you but you know uh,
1: and they have the best editors in the business who somehow managed to screw up last week and not give our last month and not give us the two-page spread they were supposed to split it into you know back-to-back pages instead
3: yeah the, in the the the, uh, the letters page they they apparently screwed up a double uh a two-page spread in the last issue Sigh. oops <laughs>
1: you know that's another advantage to digital if they would have uh done they could have gone back to the digital copy and had that edited and fixed yep just saying yeah
2: so amazing spider-man no, six, you were just saying for a half hour <laughs> yeah.
3: 675 features the second part of the vulture storyline featuring the, the the mini vultures uh, his his little minions who are who are thievering and stealing and killing and uh, Spider-Man and Carly Cooper are on the case.
1: And Umberto Ramos isn't.
3: <laughs> He's next issue, though. Uh. You, just, you just like <laughs>
0: to upset Wayne, don't
3: you? I really do. It It makes my day.
0: I am really enjoying the tension between Spider-Man and Carly. You know, I, yeah. I the uh, you know having to work with your ex girlfriend, your recent ex girlfriend, uh, is pretty darn cool. I just, I, I just, I love how tense, and it gets us back to you know things should often be crappy for Peter
1: Parker. Uh, this is a level of crappy that I like for him. And you know, going in, I mean, you guys have been raving about these books. I've been enjoying Spider Man. But for me, from the end of Spider Island, that uh, that epilogue on, these have been the best Spider Man books I've read in years. Mm-hmm. I mean, these last couple issues, the you know, from the side by side with Mary Jane, the conversations, the breakup with Carly, now seeing him working with Carly. Carly is a wonderful character, and I love that we didn't lose her just because they broke up. <laughs> and I don't think the breakup is going to stick.
0: Well, I got to tell you, the the last page where Carly makes a visit to Mary Jane, you know, because she's the only one she can talk to about uh, Peter Parker being Spider Man, and it cuts to to Pete sitting in his in his apartment, going, "Huh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> what it say here, and saying? it's not my spider sense, it's my Peter Parker sense." Yeah, God, that was hysterical, and you know, just a look on his face is, "Huh." Yeah, it's fantastic.
3: OK, so I got I, Carly's a bitch. I'm sorry when Mary Jane calls and he's like, hey, Mary Jane. And she's like, I'm sorry. You could talk to your other ex-girlfriend later.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I like, love that comment. I thought it was great. I'm yeah, like, I don't think she's a bitch phone. at all. I think she's bitter. Yeah. yeah, she is bitter because he's been lying to her all this time. And she fed him lines where he could have you know, told her. He, she even gave him a chance to tell her when he came back after All Spider Island, and he didn't tell her he came up with a stupid excuse. I'm, I'm with her. She has a right to be bitter. I do hope they get back together at this point because I love her character, and I think her having the conversation with Mary Jane may lead to her getting back with him.
0: Well, and it's, it's a great additional source of tension between Mary Jane and Carly because Mary Jane still loves Peter. And you know, she's put in a position to help Carly through a hard situation that maybe puts the two of those back to back together.
1: And I could just read – I mean there's nothing in there to indicate it. But I can just read a tone of voice into Carly's comment when Mary Jane tells her that Peter told him that she knew. Yeah. It's just – you could just tell the bitterness there. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's good stuff.
2: Maybe Carly and MJ will –
0: uh, that would be, yeah, that would be all right. Well, you know, we we know we're gonna I, get I the, twice. we know there's gonna be the Daredevil three way, you know, with <laughs> with Peter Daredevil and Black Cat. Maybe we can also
1: you know throw a little Carly and MJ uh, action in there. Maybe Daredevil being there is just a red herring, and it's really Carly, Mary Jane, and Black Cat. <laughs>
3: And you thought Spider-Man XXX, a porn parody, was good. (laughs) No, I didn't, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I I really
1: can't rave about this book enough. I was so happy with this issue. The writing was wonderful. It made me actually care about the vulture, which I always hated the character. Mm -hmm. I like the new powers he's got, the gravity stuff. I enjoyed the fight scenes I thought were wonderful. I like the police complaining about having to get a cherry picker out because Spider-Man was there again. I like that we're seeing a really strong Carly be the one to yell, yell out to Spider-Man what it takes to beat the bad guys. That he's so sure of himself, so confident in himself as Spider-Man that she's able to come up with something that he hadn't thought of. Yeah. I, I got a kick out of that. There's just so much to love in this book. Absolutely. It's
3: good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, this these last couple of months, Top Cow, we mentioned this earlier in the program, Top Cow's pilot season books have been uh, getting released and it's uh, basically this series of one-shots or first issues, as it were, um, where the readers are basically given the option to vote on their favorite one and their favorite one either gets, I think it gets a, a, a mini-series.
1: Yeah, and this they've been doing this for years now every year they'll have a new pilot season some really good books and some really bad books have come out of the pilot seasons in the past
3: and uh this year's no different to be honest with you there 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 was some there was definitely uh a couple of good books and there was definitely some shit this year
1: i gotta um, say if you want a happy future you don't want to read any of these books
3: yeah and it, it, a couple of them are very similar to be honest with you which is kind of funny um, and there are I, out of the ones I read there weren't really there wasn't really a superhero one. Um these are basically all original concepts. Um and uh you know we're just going to kind of rapid fire a couple of the ones we read. Uh The Test which is by um the same creative team who did the uh, the Top Cow series Echoes, which I I loved the series Echoes. Um The Test is about uh basically mankind has been wiped out And now these people, uh, there are like, I believe, 10 people, something like that. There's Uh,
1: supposed to be 10, but when they wake up, they only find six at first.
3: They only find six at first. um, And basically people of all different races, different sexes, things like that. And uh, they've been chosen to, to basically carry on the human race. And, you know, they're in this domed city that basically will only release them you know after the radiation outside has dissipated and they have furthered the human race but you know there's already a mystery because one of the the people appears to have been murdered or killed or died or somehow um and there are still three others missing
1: yeah and the big catches on this they because they just come out of stasis they don't have all of their memories their memories are slowly coming back so they don't know who they are everything that they're being told they're being told by an ai could be completely and totally a lie they may be in a lab somewhere and the world is perfectly fine and they just don't know it i mean it's there is a big mystery this book for me hit a i've had a desire to read a good sci-fi comic for a while now something that wasn't you know, superhero related that wasn't any of the normal type stories that I typically read. This kind of hit that itch for me. I enjoyed it. One issue isn't very satisfying. So if it doesn't win and doesn't go into a miniseries, then, you know, everything will have been left up in the air. I would read a miniseries of this and I'd be happy with it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I got to be honest, it's the same. Like I said, same creative team as Echoes. And I loved Echoes. And if this is going to be, you know, by the same creative team, I imagine that it's going to just get fucked up from here. Um, so I'm definitely interested in seeing where that story goes. So if I – which I guess if I were to vote, but I guess if I – I don't have a voice if I don't vote, Wayne. That's so I, I'm I'm going to vote for the test.
1: I am as well. Out of all of the, the pilot season books that I read, this one was my favorite.
3: Yeah, that was the one that impressed me the most, um, really, out of the ones we're going to talk about. Uh, the next one is City of Refuge. And,
1: yeah, uh, this kind of I say this one kind of reminded me of like one of the Escape from New York type books or something. <laughs> it's this dark future where the world seems to have been destroyed outside of the walls of these cities. And within the cities there's you know all of these regulations in place. You can't have children. You know, you get in a pool to get children. If if you actually win this pool then it's in vitro. You don't actually do it naturally. Uh, There's been no violence in this city for was an 11-year streak because everyone's been implanted in a chip that kills the ability to be violent. So to have a police force, they have to inject them with a chemical that will counteract that for a period of time. You know, some of the ideas in this were good, but this one just didn't have that same hit for me.
3: Yeah, it's not a bad concept, but I gotta be honest. I believe it's the same concept that The Last Days of American Crime had by Rick Remender. Um, I believe that was a similar concept about a a microchip that eliminated the desire to break the law. I mean, that even went further. That you know, this is just violence. I believe that was just a desire to break the law at all. Um, So, just I didn't really see anything original in
1: this. Like, the test wasn't overly original in a lot of what it was doing, but at least there was a mystery there. There was something I was looking forward to. With City of uh, Refuge, there was no mystery. There was nothing – you know, yes, there was – there's suddenly a violent crime, and there's something that there's supposed to be mystery to, but it didn't have quite that same buildup. And I didn't didn't like the art as well. It was a better art for the story. It was a darker art, but – I don't know it just this one was one of those not for me books he's still there paul because you read the next book on your own
3: a flesh digger yeah yeah flesh digger not not a, not a, not a very good book it's kind of generic this guy you know basically dies comes back a couple months later he's this undead zombie guy who event saves a, a female who's about to get murdered in the park um i Again, just not a very original concept. Um, it, it didn't really connect with me. Uh, I, I was, I was curious about it. It had a nice cover by uh, Francesco Francavilla, but overall, just not really a very good book. And I, I am sorry to say that, but just it didn't connect with me. Yeah, the beauty
1: was another one of these books where it's a big world-changing event. Essentially, a sex sexually transmitted disease occurs, where the diseases effects are that you get skinnier, your skin clears up, and you generally become all-around attractive. So 50% of the world does everything they can to get this sexually transmitted disease. And that's their big premise for the, for the initial story. There were no real known side effects to it other than you run a, f- a constant fever, and then suddenly someone spontaneously combusts. Uh, you have a society that's split between people that are, love this disease and people that think that you shouldn't be going out trying to get yourself a disease. This was another one that just – there's some potential here. I like the characters. I thought they did a good job creating the characters, You know, particularly the female police officer. The overall concept seemed – I don't want to say silly, but just I had a hard time taking the overall concept of it seriously. I'm not totally sold on this, but I didn't dislike it at all because, I said, I enjoy the characters. I thought they did a good job with characters.
3: Hmm. And I think maybe one of the things that I'm seeing with this run of uh, the pilot season is that a lot of them seem to be joint creations between comic writers and movie writers, including Anonymous, which, uh,
1: you know. I, I I think Beauty would be a hell of a movie. I don't think it's very good as a comic, but it'd be a hell of a movie.
3: Yeah, because Anonymous is written by Alan McElroy, who's the guy who wrote the Spawn movie. Um, and it's did you read Anonymous or is it just me? I did. And uh, actually, I, that it,
1: that explains a lot if it was made by the guy that made Spawn.
3: Yeah, because it's essentially this ex-special forces guy who I don't know. He's basically doing a Punisher thing. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he he's basically coming back. He finds this woman who's getting beat up by her husband, and you know, it turns out to be this bigger you know, corrupt cop thing. And, uh, it's, you know, it's very Punisher-esque, to be honest I, with you. To be on
1: I hated all the flashbacks to this. I could not get into the first half of the book at all, but the last part of it, as he's dealing with this wife beater, I got such a kick out of reading that part of the story. You know, how he's, he is he remembers back to torturing people and he's like okay i'm going to actually scare this guy yeah i i did enjoy his interfering there but that was the only part of the book i got a big kick out of
3: yeah i i didn't i didn't care for it i got to be honest if there was a regular series of it i would not read it
1: yeah it's same here like i said I, all i really liked was i loved how he dealt with the wife beater yeah you know, he basically and this this is a spoiler if anyone intends to read it he takes the wife beater and wants to show him what fear is like, so he ties him up on a pole at a pier when high tide is getting ready to come in and he times it just right to call the police so they'll show up after he's been underwater for a few minutes. So the guy is you know essentially almost killed and he has that you know that fear and then he calls him on a cell phone and says, "Now you know what your wife and your kid feels like." I got a huge kick out of that part of the story. But that was, what, two, three pages out of the whole story?
3: Yeah, basically. And the last one I read was Seraph, um, which is written by Phil Hester and Lance Briggs. And um, if, you don't, if you've never heard the name Lance Briggs, Lance Briggs is a, a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. And so this is kind of, you know, he, he is a well known comic book fan. And uh, you know, this is kind of him venturing in and creating an original comic book character. Um, and I, I was kind of I, I, I like concepts that, and I've always been a fan of superheroes that have some type of religious, you know, basis, like the Magdalena, or you know, movies like The Prophecy that have to do with the angels and stuff like that. I um, love those movies. You know, so there. I got to be honest. I didn't dislike this first issue. Uh, you know, And a lot of that is, you know, Phil Hester is a great writer. Um, if you're used to Phil Hester's writing, um, I think you'll like the book because it is, Phil Hester is a very wordy guy. He, he writes his inner dialogue very poetically. There's a lot of um, simile and things like that. Um, and so this is, you know, th- this character, he, he tries to kill himself um, and, actually he does shoot himself um, but rather than go to heaven he's he's kind of been reborn as this uh this kind of avenging angel type character now the so it's it's not the most original idea it does seem to take place in some type of future dystopian society either that or like it's really bad part of town <laughs> um you know there's just crime all over the streets and all that stuff it's it's you know it it sounds like a like a generic book and it kinda is, so I can't really recommend it um
1: was it know, a bad enough part of town that they had El Camino comics there
3: yeah you, you know what it, it might have been I, I think I did see an El Camino in there somewhere probably you know <laughs> and, I, and 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 Andrew on the back of it buying his comics um now, it was it was an okay book. You know, I, I again I can't recommend it. I can't say it was bad. It was just very generic. And you know, I, unfortunately, you know, when you've got eight original, brand new concepts, you you, you got to be original to really stand out from the pack. And uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, not many of them really did it so far this year. Uh, yeah. We did not. I did not read the theory of. I think it's the theory of the everything. theory of.
1: Yeah, the two that we didn't get to were The Theory of Everything and Misdirection.
3: Yeah, so those might have been pretty decent. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get to them. But right now, my vote is definitely for The Test. And yeah. if you read Echoes, pick up The Test. It was damn good. Yeah, out of the ones
1: we read, definitely uh, The Test is the, the standout of them. I don't regret reading any of them. Anonymous is the closest one that I regret to reading. But mm-hmm. by far, The Test was the best. With I think the beauty was probably the most interesting after that for me, and that was purely from a character standpoint.
3: Yeah, interesting concepts. Um, you know, not not great execution on some of them, but uh, you know, I do applaud Top Cow for giving it a shot every year. You know, we have gotten some good books out of this, out of the pilot seasons before. So
1: yeah, I've raved in the past about Twilight Guardian. That was, uh, you know, it was from the first pilot season, and it won it, and they did a miniseries off that, and. I got such a kick out of that book. So I, I love the concept of pilot season, and every year I will always pick up some of these books just to give them a shot.
3: And if I remember correctly, I believe Velocity was a pilot season book as yep. well.
1: Velocity was the other winner of the first pilot season. It was uh, Twilight Guardian and Velocity.
3: Yeah. And Angelus, um, which didn't win pilot season, ended up becoming a series anyway. So um, just – you know, if you're looking for new concepts, if you're looking for something out of the norm, you know, check out some of Top Cow stuff, the pilot season stuff. You can hop in on any of these books, even if you're not a superhero fan, and uh, you know, give them a shot. And you have a say so in whether they continue or not, not just in sales, but in your votes. So Wayne, Aaron, Tim, is anybody buying Avengers X Sanction number one next week? Not nope. me. No. I ah mean, wait. I thought you said you were gonna buy it.
1: Oh, is that the cable one?
3: That's the cable one.
1: Then yeah, I'm gonna buy it.
3: <laughs> so we have that to talk about next week. I
1: just heard Avengers and thought, well, nope.
3: <coughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> is that like the and, and, hey shade number three comes out next week too? <laughs> are, are you waiting on the for the trade on that one, Paul? <laughs> oh fuck that! Fuck the trade. <laughs> <laughs> I am buying shade number three. I'm gonna buy two of them. Well,
0: no, as you no, should. Not to
3: <laughs> I will definitely pick up Shade number three next week um, <laughs> by James, James Robinson and Cully Hamner. So it's our, your guilt talking, Paul. <laughs> it, it's my whispers. Whispers. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everyone for joining us this week. We will chat with you next week. Woo.
0: Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.